So I know, I just know every one of you got up this morning and you were like, we're going to go to church. I even tried to put red on. I wore a red shirt here. I wore it for about an hour and I was so self-conscious of the way it wrapped around my pastoral pooch that I had my wife bring me another shirt. That's not vanity. It's not. It's just discomfort. But I put my red on. A lot of you have your red on. Papa Elf in the back, all right, uh, showing up ready for Christmas. And I just knew, I knew that every one of you got up and said, I hope that Craig preaches on Beelzebub this morning. Because that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to go to church on Christmas and hear stories about Beelzebub. Because that's what everybody does. Uh, on Facebook, a guy named Tom Rayner, very popular uh, man in, in our Baptist and Christian circles, incredible leader. We have books by him out here. He asked pastors, he said, I want to pray for you. He said, put the, title, <laughs> put the title of your sermon on here and, and I will pray over it. And I'm thinking to myself, and, and you all got to go with me here. <laughs> the sermon today starts with, Beelzebub, and ends with um, <clears throat> Mary's um, bosom. So I, everybody's on there like the nativity, wonderful counselor, and I'm thinking I'm going to write Beelzebub to bosoms. <laughs> Except I really wasn't thinking bosoms. <laughs> That's your Christmas message for today, right? But, but it is. But it is. And I've struggled so much with how to do this, because I don't, I don't just jump. I don't say, hey, it's Easter, let's preach on the crucifixion. If we have an opening, I do. Or, hey, it's Christmas, let's preach on the birth. We're in Luke, so that's what we do. And for eight years now, God has blessed us wherever we've been, and he's going to do it again, however oddly it may be, because we trust that he knows if we're listening to him. So for our pre-Christmas message today, let us read. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a, a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, a reference to several powerful stories in the Old Testament, when Jesus, the finger of God, the hand of God, made huge things happen. He's referencing something they would know. If I drive out demons by the finger, the power of God, then the kingdom has come near you. Hear that? The kingdom has come upon you. You, that's, that's pretty Christmas right there. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides his plunder. Whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather, scatters. 
When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, all right? It goes through arid places. It goes through waterless locations is another way of looking at that. On the planet, what are waterless locations? When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through desert places. Where did Jesus run into Satan? When living water isn't present, our hearts, our lives, our souls become, and, it, and, and seeking rest does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house that I left, and when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of the person is worse than it was before. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. Mary. He replied, Blessed rather. Blessed instead. More blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We're going to stop there because we got several things to do. It's in the middle of a bunch of things, and I, 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 I was struggling. I admit it. I was, I was trying to figure out what God was trying to say. And in essence, there was a title in one of the theology books that I was reading, and it said, Misconceptions About Jesus. Misunderstandings about Jesus. Misconstrued ideas about Jesus. And I wonder if in fact, we have misconstrued ideas about Jesus. I wonder if we ourselves have things that, that make us not understand who he is. I wonder if we think things about Jesus that are not, in fact, true. I wonder if that happens, especially around Christmas. I wonder why Christmas and Easter are the two biggest attendance days of the year. I wonder why joy is spoken about more in December. I wonder why we watch these movies that bring our hearts to expand and to explode like the Grinch, growing and growing. Why do little children bring us more joy? Why does Hallmark run all heart? Wait, that's all the time. They get it right. Do you think by chance the world has, do you think by chance the church has misconceptions about Jesus? So Jesus goes after his powerful prayer and teaching his people how to pray. He goes and he finds a, a, a mute. This happened all the time. People who were lame, people who were blind, people who could not speak. And this is a particular announcement. He chooses to heal a, a man with a demon who causes him to be mute because there is an absolute sign when, when it is over. If the man cannot speak because the demon had a hold of his tongue, then the end of that is speaking, right? So demon rele or Jesus releases this mute demon from this man, and the man immediately speaks. And there are three responses when he does speak. Response number one is, hey, um, could you um, maybe be working for the devil? Witchcraft. Response number two is, well, can you, um, maybe if you showed us something else, maybe if you did a little more, maybe if you did the kind of miracle I think you should do, then I'll believe you. And then response number three, which is the third response, actually comes from Jesus when he begins to argue. You see, Jesus does what he does a lot of times. People are over there 
thinking and muttering. Do you think he's from the devil? Do you think he could do more? What do you think about him? I don't know what to think about him. And Jesus knows what they're thinking, and he says, hey, 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 what's up? What's up? Let, let me go ahead and address this. Stop muttering about it. I, ask me. All right, ask me. Let's talk about this Satan thing. First of all, you guys have already discussed that the demon is from the devil, right? The guy's mute because the devil, the demons, have a reign upon his tongue. So if I am casting out the demon by the power of the devil, but it was the devil that put the demon in, is that ever going to work logically? Do you think the devil is empowering people to go inside of people and then empowering people to pull them out of people? That doesn't make any sense. Your argument is, well, dumb. Your argument is just like the man was. Mute. A house against itself cannot survive, right? So he says, it ain't that, all right? And this whole idea, this whole idea that there will ever be enough money, come on church, there will ever be enough power, there will ever be enough signs there will ever be enough things that I could do to convince you is absolutely insane. Every time I do something, you're going to need something else. Every time I prove something, you're going to need something else. In fact, for many of you, the only proof that, that, that there could be is that I would show up, that you could touch me, that you could see me, that you could understand me, <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us, Christmas, and guess what? There's still massive generations that don't believe. There will never be enough parlor tricks that I will do to convince all of you. In fact, I've already laid out that I will not do enough. I have already told you that I will not do enough. I will come as far as I need to come, but I will not come all the way. The last step is yours. For it is by grace you are saved through. It is not of yourself. And faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I will never answer every question. If I do, I am no longer required. So that about takes care of the second argument. Now there's a third line. There's a third way you could think. You could actually buy in that I am who I say that I am. It is possible that I actually showed up, that I actually did what I said I was going to do, that I actually overcame sickness, that I actually overcame the lame, overcame blindness, overcame all of the things that pull against the body. Sickness, the woman with the issue of blood. It's possible that I actually overcame. In fact, it is possible that I actually overcame sin and death. It's possible that I actually came from heaven to earth, out of heaven, into the, the, the cradle, into the manger. It's possible that I did those things. The question now becomes, do you believe that I did? And if you believe that I did, is it Christmas? Is it the Edge Conference? 
Is it a retreat? Is it a revival? Is it a one-hit wonder? Uh, is your spiritual life like the Macarena? Uh-huh. You know, are you Jefferson Starship? And, you know, we built this city on rock and roll, rated the number one song we love to hate, the worst one-hit wonder ever. Oh, I loved it as a child. Is your spiritual life a one-hit wonder? In fact, I would say that most of our spiritual lives are full of one-hit wonders. We rise and fall with the emotions of the powerful worship that we experience, the women's retreat that we went to, the youth conference that we went to, the three weeks of baptisms that we enjoyed together. We rise and fall on how many people show up or how powerful the preacher is or how incredible the worship was. Our spiritual lives are full of one-hit wonders. Jesus has something to say about that. He follows it up with a strange story about a strong man. And actually, the strong man is the devil. The strong man is the devil. And the devil has power. You are, you are not an intelligent individual if you, if you don't give the devil the credence he is due. Know your enemy, all right? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. The devil is powerful. He has just never been more powerful than God. So Jesus says, what happens when somebody shows up who's more powerful? They wipe everything out, experience the plunder, right? We send the, we send the pigs off the cliff. We send the legion of demons out. God over and over again displays his power to wipe Satan out. And the home then becomes your heart, your heart, your heart, clean, whole, ready to go, right? I want you to see what happens, though. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes into desert places, all right? We read that. Then it says, what? I will return to the house I left. How many of you have ever made a promise to God, felt so powerful, felt so close to the Lord, and then six months later you found yourself in the same hole Jesus uh, grabbed you out of? You found yourself in the same addiction that Jesus pulled you out of. You found yourself looking at the same things on your computer that Jesus pulled you out of. You find yourself having the same argument with your spouse that Jesus pulled you out of. Anybody? Or am I the only loser in the house? In fact, how many of you have ever noticed that in those times you feel less worthy? In those times, it's harder. In those times, you feel more trapped and more captivated. Huh, I wonder if Jesus wants to tell a story about that. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and in order. Then it goes and takes seven more spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Why is that, church? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Because here's what we do. We get so fired up for Jesus that we live in the moment and we clean our houses out. And none of us take the discipline and take the time to refill our hearts with something worth having. Well, well, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. Yes, and there's a reason. I know that I'm supposed to live in community. Yes, and there's a reason. I know that I should be in men's ministry. Men, yes. And there's a reason, I, and I promise you, it is way more important than the hour of sleep you're saving. Just saying, I'm going to go ahead and call that one. Why? 
Because you got to fill the house with things worth having. That is what Jesus is getting ready to say. You can do all the praise for the conferences you want, all the praise for the retreats you want, all the praise for all the Jesus things and the Jesus clothing that you want to give. You can turn on all the music that you want. But listen to this. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman said, Blessed is the mother who gave your birth. She wasn't trying to be stupid. She wasn't trying to cause issues. It was very important for, for people to find uh, reasons to praise and exalt and lift up one another. And women were not important. The epitome of what women did was bring their children into the world and have their children to become something important. It just so happens that this woman brought into the world the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, a pretty amazing accomplishment. And the woman goes, praise be to Mary. The bosom that brought you and nourished you. And Jesus looks back at her and says, more praise be to anybody who hears these words of mine and obeys them. This is the fail of the church. All of us are good at the salvation thing. All of us are good at the retreat thing. All of us are good at the happy, happy joy baptism thing. All of us are good at the celebrations. Nobody's good at the spiritual diets. Nobody's good at the spiritual trips to the gym. Your souls have become like your bodies. You're happy to do them for a week and a month. You're about to make your New Year's resolutions, and they will be gone by February. And so the demons will infect the house. For the body, it's the demons of Twinkies. It's the demons of Christmas cookies. It's the demons of yummy things that we love to pull out of the refrigerator when we're depressed and when we're down, or just when we're hungry. And for your soul, it is the demons who make their home in the desert because you're drinking no living water. Come on. The demons are making the home in the desert of your heart because Jesus promised the woman at the well he would overcome her addiction to men by giving her what? A water that would never run dry, a thirst that would never be quenched. He would go right past her physical and into her spiritual. I will fill you up. This love you've been looking for in all the wrong places, I can be. And he fills that cup up. We don't fail because we're not strong enough. We fail because what we put inside us isn't strong enough or isn't there at all. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. People could see Jesus. That wasn't the problem. They did not understand Jesus. That was the problem. Any misconceptions about the birth of Jesus in the church today? I can name a couple. You know, I love Christmas and all, and Jesus may or may not be real, but he didn't come for me. I'm not good enough. No. He came for you because you're not good enough. He came for us because none of us are good enough. He came because he can't stand to be without us and none of us were good enough to get back to him. So he came to bring us home. He came to restore us. Well, I love Jesus. 
Because that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus gives us everything that we want. No. Jesus gives us everything that we need. What if we taught our kids that under the tree? Just a thought. Jesus is here to make us happy. No. Jesus is here to bring us joy. But the Bible also says joy comes in the morning. In order to get to the morning, what do you have to go through? The night. And what is the night? The dark. And none of us want to go through the dark to get to the light. I'm good. Don't tell me. I'm better than. I'll compare myself to. There is no comparing. It is Jesus and us. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So here's your Christmas. The kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Emmanuel, God with us. What if? What if? The feelings brought about by Christmas. What if the emotions brought about by Christmas? What if the arrival of Jesus fully captivated us in March? What if it fully captivated us in June? What if God with us was a constant thing? What if living water were real? What if, our, what if our hearts never were dry? God is with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. So I finish with an illustration from the Bible. When Jesus was going, and it may be further on in Luke, when Jesus is, is going around and he, he's healing, right? He runs into one guy. One guy. Okay? And the guy says, you know, Lord, touch me. I, I can't see. So Jesus one, one version spits in his hand, one version spits in his eyes, one version spits in the mud. But on this particular occasion, he puts his hands on his eyes. And he says, all right, open your eyes. And the guy says, I, 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 I see people, but they look like trees walking around. So he says, I see tree people. So he's in Lord of the Rings. So that's the only explanation. Jesus did not heal him. He just took him to Mordor, all right, or wherever it is. So Jesus says, well, that's, that's all right. Touches him again. The guy says, I see people, and they look like people. Hey, 
Yay! Jesus throws his hands up and he says, yes, I got it right that time. Does that fit? Does that work for any of you in the room? Does, does the theology of this story work at all? Jesus didn't quite get it done. Does that work for you? Jesus couldn't heal him with one try. Does that work for you? Well, there's only two people involved in this transaction. Either Jesus failed or what? The man wasn't all in. See, I, th I think he was half in. You know why? Because if you've been blind all your life, you at least know what you feel like, right? You at least know, you know, you have this, you know, you know that there are limbs, you know that there's a trunk. And so when you open your eyes and you can partially see, Bon Jovi said, oh, we're halfway there, living on a prayer, you know, partial. But after he got a glimpse, what happened? He knew it could be done, right? Jesus touching him again had nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with the man. I'm going to end with this. Emmanuel happening in December has nothing to do with staying in December with him. Parched hearts have nothing to do with him. You choose to fill your house or someone will find it and fill it for you. You choose to continually fill your house with the love, the joy, the peace. The, you get it. Or someone will fill your house. God, my prayer for our church today is that you give us the boldness. You, God, you give us the arrogance. In this case, you give us the pride in you, in your authority, in your power to fling wide the gates to open the front doors of our hearts and our homes, fling them open and say, God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven because thy kingdom has come. I believe it, I buy into it, and I call upon you to fill my house with it. May you fling open the door of your hearts and the doors of your homes and welcome Christmas Welcome, Emmanuel. Welcome God with us year round. Don't welcome him into your kitchen and not into your bedroom. Don't welcome him into your living room and not into your closets. You are welcome here in the home of my heart, Jesus. Fill me. And I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. There's no room for intruders because my heart is full. This is my prayer for you. In Jesus' name, amen.